You're listening to Strictly Business Podcast with Lindsay Williams. The United States of America's new administration under the stewardship of Joe Biden has ratified a 1.9 trillion stimulus package. Obviously, this is a massive amount of money, even for a country as large as the United States of America. But what are the implications? With me now is investment strategist at 91 in London, and that's Russell Silverstone. It's quite a thing, isn't it? I mean, you sort of glibly throw around these numbers, but when you think of 1.9 trillion going into an economy, it has to have very many impacts over the short, medium and long term. Yeah. Hi, Lindsay. No, absolutely. I mean, and, and we, we sort of throw these numbers around, but it is, it's just an extraordinary amount of money, isn't it? It's, it's 8% of uh, US GDP, so 8, uh, 8% of, of annual output of, of the US, so a massive amount. In one uh, in one fell swoop. I mean, they're just it, bunging it in an 8% of, of GDP for a massive economy is suddenly boosted. Yeah, no, absolutely. So there's, there's a couple of things. One, you know, people were expecting some package, obviously, after his election, and but it wasn't clear um, quite what it would be. And this is this has come in, you know, absolutely on the nose of the of the most they were ever proposing. So it's at the top end of the range of expectations. But I think, you know, when, when we think about the impact of it, we've got to think about where the money's actually going. Yes. Um, so, 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 you know, the first thing is that there, there are literal handouts for, for um, eligible taxpayers, um, for, for individuals making um, less than $75,000 a year. How many uh, people are we talking about here? Sorry to interrupt you, but $75,000, example, for my previous country as a South African, ex-South African, that would be an awful lot of money. So how many people are we talking about that earn $75,000 per year or less? Yeah, I don't have the numbers in front of me, but it's, uh, GDP per, per sort of capita is in, is um, slightly above that. So, you know, our working assumption is it's going to be the majority of of taxpayers, uh, because typically when 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 you look at sort of earnings, most people don't earn that much, and there's a very long tail of, of a very high owner. So it's going to be an awful lot of households. I don't have the exact uh, exact number, Lindsay. No, but it's quite a substantial um, number. So well, what happens? Exactly. So if you're earning 75 grand or less um, per year, what does the government give you in this 1.9 trillion it, it, package? It gives you $1,400. Okay. So, to, so, to do with what you will? To do with whatever you want. And and, and, and this, is, this is what's sort of quite interesting. A couple of things. One, this is on top of, of a $1,200 payment that was made, you know, fairly close to the immediate aftermath of COVID, yeah. and another $600 that was made uh, in December last year. So, you know, very soon we're talking about serious money. So $3,200 literal windfalls. It, it's very interesting what's happening to the money. And, and, and typically, you know, you've got a few choices, haven't you? You can, you can spend it, you, you can save it, or you can pay down debt. And, and, and as, as it happens, actually according to the survey that we've seen, is, is around about 40% of that money was was spent, uh, 30% saved, and, and, and 30% paid down debt. So, you know, consumer credit has actually been uh, repaid. That's quite, uh, a, quite a nice spread between the three things yeah. that you just mentioned. Yeah. So it, it does sort of generally, you know, when you think about these things, you just think people are going to be irresponsible. But actually, in practice, people aren't irresponsible. They, they know exactly what they're doing. And if they're very, very uncertain about the world, and of course, you know, the world is uncertain at the moment. A fair amount is saved or effectively saved by paying down debt. Mm. The, the one, the one thing I think people, um, certainly economists, are, are wondering: you know, as as the US comes out, they get vaccinations rolling out, the economy picks up. Whether people are more inclined to spend that money, um, i.e., so you know, instead of the, the old sort of forty percent spent, is it going to be more like sort of fifty uh, percent? So, so you know, we've seen very clearly that the the the, the, the um, 
economic forecasts for household consumption in the US have been revised significantly higher. And you know, we saw that from the Federal Reserve last month as well. So now the market is is looking for 5.6% growth for, for this year and an annual growth of 6% in, in consumer spending. So it's, 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 you know, in the context of history, yes. uh, you know, sort of five, 6% in the US is incredibly strong. They're, they're on track for the strongest year of economic growth since 1992. So it's going to be a stellar year for, for, for the US, no, no doubt at all. I wonder if it's a short or medium term effect, though, of this 1.9 trillion. Obviously, time will tell. You go on to say that the second major element of the phase five legislation was an extension of enhanced unemployment benefits of 300 a week. So there's, it's not just giving people money. There's also something else as well, which is more, probably more medium term than short term with the check in the post. Yeah. And I, so, so, so I think this is a good reason why not to get sort of two sort of carried away with it because actually um, you know there's somewhere between 10 or 11 million people un- or underemployed in the US at the moment and it's a problem for society people uh, living hand to mouth so you know this is exactly the right thing to do and, and, and it's a literal life support for some people it's absolutely necessary it's not obvious what the economic effect of that is other than it stops people being destitute obviously um, so, so you know that's very very welcome and of course, the, the hope is that, that that's enough to tide people over until you know, those, those jobs come back. Uh, and typically those jobs, are sort of, you know, those involve social contacts, so sort of restaurants, services, you know, movie theatres, things like that. Yes. Uh, and so the, the, hope, the hope is, you know, that, that those jobs come back and, and, and therefore unemployment falls, falls in the US. But that's obviously to be seen. Okay, you say here the remainder of the package is going on COVID-related spending, such as vaccinations. Arguably, you say, this is the most important aspect, as the quicker a country vaccinates its population, the quicker it can reopen its economy and begin to normalise. So this is another element of it as well, which is terribly important. And I think under Biden, uh, things are starting to move at a pace that wasn't, (laughs) wasn't evident with the previous administration. Yeah, certainly, you know, you can see the path of sort of vaccine ramp up in the US is, is, is very impressive. I mean, given the size of, you know, it's like 220 million people, it's, it's, it's very impressive. And, and, and my, my point is, you know, if we, if we really need to get to the other side of COVID, we, we, we need people that are either, you know, herd immunity, so they have antibodies or, or they're vaccinated against it such that we can all get back to normal sort of day to day social interaction. So, you know, that's why I'm, I'm thinking, arguably, that is the, you know, that's the most important thing because the other two, the only employment you know of course it's absolutely necessary yes. but of course it, it won't be necessary if, if people can go around their day-to-day business and and the stimulus checks again won't be needed uh, you know we won't won't need to encourage uh, people to spend if if we're all feeling sort of life's got back to normal so that's why i think it's possibly the most important part I know you've had your jab recently, Russell, and there may be some side effects. You'll probably have a sore arm for the next couple of days, and that is a side effect. But what about the side effects of the fiscal package that we've been discussing? And you say one possible side effect of the huge fiscal easing is a boost to inflation. Now, I'm looking at what the Fed said last night, and we've got to talk about that as well very briefly, because Jay Powell, the chair of the US Federal Reserve, said that they're not going to raise rates until 2023. And I said, to myself well okay well then surely the bond market is going to uh, the yields are going to fall and the bond prices are going to rise but i'm looking at my screen now and i'm seeing the u.s 10-year at a 13 14 month high how can this be yeah so i, I think there's two, two things going on here one the, the federal reserve uh, essentially marked their economic outlook to market 
Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, which you would expect. So, the last time out in December, they were looking for growth this year of four point two percent. That was before the you know the, the, the fiscal policy is implemented. They're now looking for six point five. So, so you know, there's a huge change in growth, but. Um, they, they also, as we've spoken about in the past, they, they underwent a fairly radical uh, change in, in their guidance. And you know, the lesson from history for the Fed is that if they had sort of forecast strong growth and inflation at targets, uh, they would typically start raising interest rates. So they, 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 they would tighten monetary policy on the basis of their forecasts. Yes. The big change with their policy review of last year is now they actually want to see the whites of, 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 of inflation's eyes and they want to see actual unemployment and a broad measure of unemployment sort of lower. So so therefore, you know, we have this sort of really interesting issue, which is they're saying, yes, growth is strong. Yes, inflation's a bit higher, but we're still not going to raise rates. And this is this idea of flexible average inflation targeting um, in, in practice. Uh, they want to see actual outcomes rather than forecast outcomes. In your opinion, what does the US 10-year need to go? I mean, it's the one I look at, I don't quite understand the 30-year, but at what point does the US 10-year bond yield get uncomfortable for the US Federal Reserve? In other words, they say, well, we're actually behind the curve now, so we have to do something about this, and we will have our hand forced when it gets to, say, I don't know, 25 3%, something like that. Yep. What's your number? So first thing I would say is, is you've, got to, you've got to put the, you know, the sell-off in bonds in context. You know, we've seen a very sharp rising yield since yes. the low points in 2020. But actually, at the tail end 2019, they were close to 2%. So we're still, you know, we're still below those sort of levels, despite actually all of this fiscal policy and the fact we're coming, we're coming in particular in the US, we're coming through COVID pretty quickly. So you've got to look at it in, in that context. I think the Federal Reserve are only really worried about it if if it sort of, you know, if there's sort of second round effects that really tighten financial conditions, i.e., you know, it affects real people. So bank lending standards are tightening, mortgage rates are rising, or it becomes disorderly. Uh, you know, it's the largest market in the world. If if suddenly you, you can't trade in that largest market in the world, the Federal Reserve will, will step in, which is what happened in March last year. So for now, they're saying if higher bond yields reflect better economic growth on the basis of the fiscal stimulus and slightly higher inflation, if it's a reasonably orderly rise in yields, that's a great thing. So I, I don't, I don't think there's a number, Lindsay. I just, I just think it's about, it's about what it's reflecting. The one thing that really doesn't disturb me, but I find it very apparent, is that this is a market that keeps on going up, and it's gone from, I think, this time last year. Well, actually, it was April last year. The uh, U.S. ten-year bond was yielding something like 0.75 percent. It's now 1.75 percent. Uh, but it's the way that it keeps on going that worries me somewhat. I mean, okay, it's still way below the long-term average but on the other hand the fed must be looking at this and saying somebody's telling us something um i don't i actually don't think they are um i well i I think what they're saying is the markets the market's telling us that the growth outlook has improved yes um and 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 you know it, it, it the way i think about bonds very very simply is 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 a a a 10 year bond yield is the market's expectation for a whole series of 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 overnight interest rates for the next 10 years and so what's really happening in the US is that, you know, interest rate expectations through time are, are beginning to rise and they're rising because of obviously, the, you know, the growth outlook is, is much stronger. At the moment, 
it's it's not outrageous. You know, there's there's three um, rate hikes priced in by the end of 2023. That's very different to what the Fed's telling us. But you know, the next moving rates is up, and typically, you know, you always have some sort of expectation of of, of raising of, of rising rates. So no, I, I don't I don't think they're going to be too concerned as long as you know the growth outlook's improving. I think if if there were signs that the market was beginning to think about inflation, uh, implied inflation was too high or, or growth, the growth outlook was deteriorating and bond yields were still going up, then, then I think that's different. But for now, you know, whilst it reflects, reflects better fundamentals, I think they're relaxed. Final question. The 1.9 trillion that we've just seen, does it set a precedent? In other words, if things don't improve over the next six to nine months, whatever the time period is, do you think they're going to have to say to themselves, okay, another 1.9, maybe before the end of the year? Yeah, I mean, it's difficult, isn't it? I mean, as I say, very soon we'll be talking about serious money if they do that again. I mean, there is the next phase of the phase six of fiscal is the infrastructure spending that the Biden administration um, are looking at. The difference this time around is, is infrastructure spending is is multi-year and it will be funded, um, we think, through higher corporation taxes. So, you know, it's it's there is more fiscal spending coming, but, but in, in terms of how it's getting paid for, it, it's actually, you know, it should be fiscally neutral. So, yeah, I, I, I mean, I, I, I think government i think they're doing the right thing you know this is a pandemic it's no fault that people have lost their jobs it's no fault that companies can't operate you know it is the role of government to 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 ensure you know people don't lose their skills don't you know and and can feed themselves and come you know working capital is preserved so yeah i suspect they would do it again if they had to it doesn't look like we'll we'll be in that sort of situation thank goodness if they have to they can do as we know because they control the printing presses russell thank you so much for your analysis that's russell silverstone investment strategist at 91 in london The views and opinions expressed in these podcasts are those of Lindsay Williams and various contributors and do not reflect the policy, position or opinion of any other agency, organisation, employer or company associated with strictlybusinesspodcast.com. Assumptions made on the analyses are not reflective of the position of any other entity other than the speaker or the author. And since we are critically thinking human beings, these views are always subject to change, revision and rethinking at any time. Please do not hold us to them in perpetuity.